For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. In today's economic climate, it is very hard to know what to do with your money. Every financial move is a choice. Sometimes they are good choices, and you will reap the rewards of success. Sometimes they are bad choices, which can leave you in financial ruin if you make too many. Welcome to The Path to Financial Freedom with Gordon Bennett. Our program will help you to make the good choices and avoid the bad. Now, here is Gordon Bennett. Hello, everybody. Gordon Bennett here once again. Today we have, I think, an extraordinarily fine author to join us and share some of her insights over the years, Kathy Kristoff. She is an author. Uh, her book, Investing 101, I keep turning to all the time. I can't believe how long it's been available, and it's as timeless as ever. <laughs> she also writes, it is timeless. Well, uh, thank you. There are some things that have changed in the numbers, but the core underlying concepts are there. She is a regular columnist for Kiplinger's Personal Finance Magazine, which I have to tell you I think is one of the best magazines and best written magazines available today, and I recommend it unequivocally to people. Wonderful. Um, my experience in helping people, I, I come out of the banking world. I am not a, I don't sell securities. I'm an educator. Um, is that people have a lot of trouble getting started. They're intimidated, they're frightened, they're confused, there's bookshelves full of books and they don't know where to pick them up and start. And I look at, at, at Kathy's book and she starts out very simply on the cover and I'm just going to read it right off the cover. It says you're going to learn to start small. You're going to learn to pick the right investments. You're going to decide when to buy and sell. You're going to learn how to diversify to protect your money and how to reach your goals sooner and more safely. And I have to tell you, the book does all those things. And I'm going to, it does. It, it's fabulous. Well, thank you. It's just, it's truly fabulous. I keep telling people about it. I, I run some classes and it's a regularly recommended. And I'm going to quote from page three. It says, we know, and it's Kathy speaking, we know instinctively or from personal experience that ignorance, fear, greed can get in the way of making smart choices. Instead of decisions, we make excuses. Instead of making money, we make, well, a mess. And she starts out with chapter one with how to fix your money problems. And I have to tell you, everybody ought to read and reread that first chapter, maybe once a year. Or if you feel like you're in the doldrums with your money, go back and read it. And you'll find out you're doing maybe a lot better than you think you are. <laughs> so I'd like to just, Kathy, start right down the top. Problem number one, you say, is saving too little or not at all. Yeah. Give well, us the insights yeah, on that. I mean, you know... It, this is the typical thing, right? You think you can't afford to save. You can find a zillion things that you absolutely need to have today, and saving for the future is not one of them. But in fact, if you don't stop or if you start saving young, being as rich as you want to be 
becomes so, so very easy. I always, um, I, I used to do investment conferences all the time, and I would just give them a simple example. So if you start saving $150 a month when you're 25, um, you will have a million dollars at retirement, and you will only save, have, you will only have put in about $70,000 of your own money. But if you wait a decade and start saving when you're 35, you're going to have to save $450 a month to get that same nest egg. And if you wait until you're 45, you're going to have to save $1,200 a month to get the same nest egg. And so far more of the final amount, the final million dollars is yours, and that makes it much harder. But if you just start early, um, compound interest does the work for you, and that means that you don't have to do as much on your own. You know, it is interesting. Uh, I have never met an old person who wished they'd waited longer to start saving. <laughs> so true. And you know what, too, I mean, the, the thing is, is everybody thinks that they're just too poor, and they think, oh, what's $150 a month going to do for me? And, you know, over a short period of time, it feels like, it's moving so slow, uh, you know, and you can see sometimes the market will go up, the market will go down. People get discouraged because they see a temporary market loss and they see it as being much more permanent than it is. They see it as being something I could have done with that money. When in fact, once you start putting this money aside um, and you put it aside for a long-term goal, you just don't look at it. You know, try not to look except once a year. And then when you do, you're actually going to be surprised at how much there is there. And yeah. after five years, ten years, it's like, wow, look at that. You you suddenly have a real amount of money that now starts growing faster than your contributions. Your, your contributions become a minor thing. And... You know, somebody once told me the first $100,000 is the hardest, and that's exactly right. Once you have $100,000, all of a sudden, the interest on your $100,000 is going to be earning so much that your contributions each month are going to look minor in comparison, and that's where you want to be. You want to be where this ball starts rolling downhill, and you don't have to do much to keep it going. Yeah, it is amazing. As you see that money build, you are less uh, inclined to want to take it out because as you see it grow, you say, I like that. I'm proud of that. You get possessive of it, and it, it keeps you from you know, spending money willy-nilly because you see how it's working for you. Um, I run a workshop from time to time for employees, and the first thing I say is you got to pay yourself first, and it should be 10% of everything. That goes back to the richest man in Babylon written in the 20s. And they say, well, we can't do that. And I ask them to, and I pass out an envelope, and I ask them to take 10% out of their pocket right then and mm-hmm. seal it in the envelope and prove to themselves they can get by the whole week with 10% less. And they come back the next week, and I say, where's the money? And they haven't opened the envelope. Mm-hmm. It's possible to do it. One of the solutions you yeah. say, you need a budget. Talk a little bit about budgets. Well, you know, um, everybody looks at budgeting as being uh, – a way it, they they see it as a synonym for deprivation. They think when somebody says you need to budget that you're going to take something away from them. But really, what I encourage people to do is sit down and write where you're spending your money. And so, don't say what you think you should be spending money on. 
Go through your check register, your credit card receipts. Get a year's worth of spending down. And and now take a hard look at it and say, am I getting the value that that spending intimates? So my example, because it's a personal one, and, you know, I might as well tell you, you know, like my past mistakes is that when I was first married, I um, we bought this horrible house um, that didn't have a stove. And um, I thought, I hate to cook, so that's fine. We have a microwave. We have a coffee maker. What more does a family need? And so we went out to dinner constantly, right? Um, and I never really thought much about it because we never went anyplace expensive. But at the end of the month, and this was, you know, decades ago, um, we looked at it and we were spending $500 a month on going out to dinner, and, you know, at the time, that was the car payment on a really, really nice Mercedes, and I thought, really? Is that, do I want to go to, you know, Chipotle um, more than I want to have a Mercedes? I don't think so, and so that's really what budgeting is about. It's about realizing that the way you're spending money is is creating priorities. And if you are doing this unconsciously, you're probably prioritizing things that really are not that important to you. You're, you're spending money here that you can't have there just out of, you know, out of being careless. And so all a budget is about is being cognizant of where you're spending your money and deciding is what I'm spending on Starbucks coffee really worth that kind of money to me on a monthly basis? And if not, I cut it back and I use that money for something that I want more. If it is, then I keep that up. That's, that is a good budget. Yeah, your use of the word deprivation, I had never quite thought of it that way, but that is what people think when they say, I'm going to have to do a budget and it's, a, it's an onerous kind of a thing. And I'm also reminded of a workshop my wife and I were at because we go to these things to find out what other people are saying. And the leader had been counseling with a young lady and asked her to do the same thing. Write down where all your money went. Not a question of morality. It's not a question of anything except, is this where you really want to be spending it? And she found out she was spending $1,700 a year in the company vending machines. Oh, my. $1,700 on vending machines and she said perhaps i don't need to spend that much and i could use that money for something that i would enjoy more so it gets back to basics doesn't it um, oh yeah what do you spend absolutely a- and that's you know that's really the thing I, I we used to do money makeovers at the la times when i was there and you talk to these people and this one gal um was telling me, you know, she said, God, we make $80,000 a year, but I don't know where it goes, and we want to, um, you know, fix up our house a little bit, but we never have the money to do it. I can't figure it out. So I said, okay, we just take a notebook with you everywhere and just start writing down where you're spending your pocket money because she actually had anything that wasn't just pocket money. She she had actually written down, she had a budget, and she said, but there's this gap. I, I should have $1,000 a month more than I have, and I don't know where that goes. And so I said, um, okay, start writing everything down. She comes back to me, and with a laundry basket full, full of those, you know, McDonald's Happy Meal toys, 
And she goes, oh, wow. this is where all my money goes. And it was because she was your typical soccer mom. So she'd pick up the kids from school. They'd want a snack. They'd drive through McDonald's. And she was spending an absolute fortune on unhealthy meals um, and getting little, you know, toys that end up getting, you know, stuck under the bed. And so once she realized that, she planned a little bit. And before she went to pick up the kids from school, because she knew she still had to take them to soccer and ballet and every place else, she packed little snacks in the car. And then they were eating healthier, and they weren't spending this ridiculous amount of money. And they had the money to do their little remodel projects in no time. Yeah, and it goes back to that $150 a month you can start spending if you stop the waste and stop driveling it away. Uh, it's there. It can be found. It, uh, my yeah. My book is called Give Yourself a Raise. And the first thing I say, the way you give yourself a raise, is stop wasting on m- money on things that, uh, that don't do you any good. Uh, yeah. It's really pri- it's really prioritizing, like I said, consciously. We do it unconsciously because we all grow up, we get jobs, and then we get busy. And we never stop and think about how our little habits are costing us money. And so at some point, you're so accustomed to, you know, swinging through Starbucks every morning or swinging, you know, going to the junk food machine at, you know, 10 o'clock or whatever whatever the deal is that is your little money habit. And um, you don't even you don't even realize that it, how much it costs you in some other way area. And in fact, it costs you a fortune. And it's stuff that you know. I always yeah. tell people I'm not trying to make anybody rich because I think that's kind of a stupid goal. I want to make people free because in reality, what is the biggest luxury, in my opinion is being able to look at a bad boss and say, bye, I don't need to work for you. Or, you know, just decide, I want to go. I mean, I did this last summer. I went um, to Europe for almost a month. And I didn't have to think a thing about it because I could afford it. And I could afford to take the time off. And all of that stuff that when you're living hand to mouth, you can't do. But at some point, really, that's what having or that's what living below your means and paying yourself first is all about. It's about living the life that you want long, long, long before you retire. It's about establishing the life that you want and being able to stick with it. Yeah, and I think the word is contentment. I find a lot of people who are very content who aren't just chasing money. They have learned to live within their means. They enjoy their months and vacation. They enjoy knowing where their money goes, and they don't feel deprived, which brings us to uh, the investing thing. If you start to get control of your money, then you're going to have some money to invest. And one of the problems that you mentioned that people have in making investments is problem number two is they get greedy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, or they so, get fearful. You know, I mean, right now I think we've got um, it, it, almost the perfect balance between fear and greed. Um, and so the markets are going, uh, you know, like, or the stock market is going way up, way down, way up, way down. And it's because we never know on any given day whether fear or greed is going to take precedence. But in reality, you don't need to be either one. You just need to be practical. And you need to have a good balance of investments 
let's, again, suit your goals, what you personally want to do with your money. And if you understand how different investments function um, over long and short periods of time, it's pretty easy to pick those investments. You know, Gordon, as you know, in my, I think it's the 12th chapter, 13th, 14th, I can't remember, but there's a lazy investor's guide in this book that basically lays out, okay, you do some of the worksheets in the front saying what your goals are and how much you need for those things. And now you go to this chapter and it tells you how to invest each of those little buckets of money. And it will take you, you know, an hour to set up and then 10 minutes a year to kind of pat nicely and say, yeah, okay, my goals are the same, I'm this much closer, I'm not, you know, like whatever. And you don't have to do anything more. It's that easy. Kathy, we're going to have to take a quick break here, and we're going to come back to that because I think that chapter is fantastic, and this whole greedy thing is something worth talking a little bit more about. We're going to take a short break now. Always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. We are in the midst of a global sovereign debt crisis that could lead to the ultimate risk for the world economy, the removal of the U.S. dollar as the world's reserve currency. What will this event really mean to the markets? And more importantly, what does it mean for you and your family? Listen to Global Currency Watch with your host, Stephen Ayer, to get a full and objective look at the world's sovereign debt crisis and help you prepare for when the crisis envelops the United States. Global Currency Watch airs live every Thursday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. Are you a business innovator or are you just sitting on the sidelines? Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. This is The Path to Financial Freedom with Gordon Bennett. To speak with Gordon and this week's guest, please call into our program at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to goreben32 at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. Here we are with Cassie Kristoff talking about Investing 101, uh, one of my favorite books of all time. And let me recommend everybody listening that you get a copy of it and read it. We're going to barely touch on some of the important things that Kathy's written about. She's got a perspective on investing and enjoying life, I think, that is, is remarkable and everybody can benefit from it. We were talking about the problems that people have in managing their money. One was uh, not saving enough. Another was getting greedy, wanting too much or expecting too much, chasing the prices of stocks. And the answer to that she recommends is have a target price and know what 
you want to pay for or have that stock for. Another one of your problems that people have is being tax-wise and bottom-line foolish. <laughs> yep. My yep. father was that way. He had a he refused to want to pay taxes, and he would make all sorts of stupid decisions just to save a dime in taxes. <laughs> well, he's certainly not alone. A lot of people do the same thing, um, and it's you know it. I think again, so many problems that people have with money have to do with following the crowd. You know, so often because people are insecure about making wise money decisions they watch and see what other people are doing and then they they emulate it but the problem with doing that with money is that money is not important in and of itself but it buys you all of the things that are important like security and comfort and so if you follow the crowd on money decisions you better hope that you really love their life because you're giving up yours. So what you really need to do when you start making money decisions is decide the life you want to lead. And then you make money decisions based on how you can use money as a tool to get that life. And that's, it's that simple. So you you know just try and take all of the emotions, all the fear, all the greed out of it, and say to yourself, okay, who am I? What kind of life do I want to have? And once you've like thought about that, you should know you can have it. You can have anything you want. Um, you just have to decide what it is and then go after it. And be happy with with doing it, not envy somebody else. Well, you know what, if you're really going after the life you love, you probably will stop envying everybody else. It's really a matter of understanding the trade-offs and understanding the fact that, yeah, you make make choices. You decide precisely what you want, and then you can get it. But you can't get what you want and a whole bunch of things that other people want, too. You you need to make a choice, (laughs) I mean, let's just stop and think about it. When I go to the grocery store, I usually have my list, or my right. wife has our list. I don't go to the grocery store and follow somebody else around and put in my basket exactly what they put in their basket. Yeah, it's like, Why should- it, and that's what we do with money. We follow people around and we go, ooh, that looks good. I don't have a big screen TV. Why don't I have a big screen TV? I should have one of those. Okay, and then all of a sudden, all of our goals get subjugated to theirs. And that's just so stupid because by having that thing that they have, you give up something that is actually precious to you. And, um, you know, you, you don't want to do that. You don't want to live somebody else's life. Yeah, and, you know, the marketing people, and I come out of a marketing background, spend a lot of energy saying you ought to have these things to, to make a statement about yourself. I don't need to make a statement about myself. My <laughs> wristwatch tells time, not who I am. So. <laughs> Well, I think that the the best statement you can possibly make about yourself is like, I don't need to make a statement. <laughs> it is, it's true, isn't it? My statement um, is, I'm happy who I am. <laughs> and if and, you're trying to tell me who I need to be, well, then you're obviously you obviously don't know me. If you go next to the, uh, and I don't want to get on any side of the issue here, but the other thing I like what you did is point out in the problems people have. Some problems are more 
typical in the female set and some are typical in the male set, and I think we share equal in our own maladies. But the first one you have is emotional spending. And while you put that from women especially, I'm not too sure that isn't universal. I think we men uh, do an awful lot of emotional spending. You know, um, almost anybody can be susceptible to emotional spending. I tend to see it um, with, I saw it a lot in the working world with colleagues who um, didn't want to address bad boss issues. And so instead of talking to their boss about being demeaning or, you know, or um, a, inconsistent or whatever, they'd go out and go shopping. And unfortunately, that choice meant that you couldn't quit your job. And so to me, like the brilliant way to handle bad boss issues is be really financially stable. And when somebody is a jerk or, you know, is impossible to work for, you just say, well, okay, guess what? I'm not going to work for you anymore. <laughs> so, yeah. That's the, that's the ultimate freedom, isn't it, is being able to quit your job because you don't like it. The exactly. ultimate freedom. And yeah. it, the or interesting you thing have is... have a better, better option, even if that better option is unemployment. Hey, you know, sometimes it's just, it's time to move on. And you give yourself that freedom when you're financially secure. I would give another point to that. Uh, and, you know, it comes to mind when you mentioned it. If you have the freedom to quit... It does a couple of things. First of all, it makes it more tolerable to stay where you are because you know you can leave on your command and your decision. So, hey, I can put up with this because I know I can leave anytime I want. And I think you end up being a better performer. I think you end up doing your job better and maybe even getting along with that awful boss better. Um, my daughter refers to that as retail therapy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Going out and spending money because I'm in the dumps. Stay right. out of the dumps. <laughs> yeah. You don't need to do. Well, you know what? The the thing about it is, it, and so this was a big thing for me because um, I, you know, I'm now long grown and my children are grown up as well, but I wanted to um, have a lot of freedom when I had children because I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I love my job, but um, I couldn't, um, you know, as a journalist, you don't have normal hours. And so I just couldn't see leaving my kids for 12 hours a day um, with a nanny. And so um, I decided when I had my first that I wanted to work from home. And at the time, this was 21 years ago, 22 years ago, uh, nobody worked from home. And so I went in and said I wanted to work from home. And they said, oh, you know, we just don't allow that. And I said, oh, that's really a bummer because then I'm going to have to quit. And you know, 10 minutes later, they said, well, you know, maybe we can work something out because I was dead serious. I was going to quit, and I could afford to quit. And because I could afford to quit, it wasn't a bluff. It was real. And because it wasn't a bluff, I have been working from home now for 22 years. <laughs> well, it gave it gave you the kind of power that you didn't even realize that you had. Well, It, it, it gave you discretion. It gave you options that... Normally, people say, no, I've got to toe the mark. It's it amazing. Gave me freedom. And like I said, that's what 
I think this whole thing about is to, or all of finance is about giving you the freedom to live the life you want. And so, you know, people can talk to you about, oh, how much money you're going to have in the future, how much this or how much that. I don't want any of that stuff. I want freedom. And what making good financial choices is about giving yourself freedom now and later forever for the rest of your life. And I think that's a goal worth fighting for. Um, couldn't agree with you more. And we've just covered a few of the things in your book, and I know you have a limited amount of time with us today. Yeah, I'm so uh, sorry I have to go. Well, uh, you know, that's the freedom you have is to uh, <laughs> do, <laughs> do my other work. You, <laughs> do your other work and figure out what I'm going to do for the other half hour with my audience here. And I can assure the audience when I come back that we're going to stay with Kathy Kristoff's book, Investing 101, which uh, I have a million questions I wanted to ask you about it since when you wrote it, has things changed? I think not. I mean, numbers have changed, but the fundamentals are the same. We thank you very, very much for joining us today. Uh, I will continue to recommend your book, and I'm going to share with our listeners some more of the really cogent points that you bring up in your writing and uh, suggest they can keep up with you every month in Kiplinger's. And uh, thank you so much for joining us. We're well, going to take a little you. break now. Nice We're going to take a break. Important. Good luck. Thanks, Kathy. Bye. All right. Bye. We're going to go to break now. When we come back, we'll talk about some more about what you can find in Kathy's book. It's a remarkable piece of work, Investing 101 by Kathy Kristoff. We'll be back right after the break. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790, 866-472-5790, Voice America Business Network. Technology is changing the way we live our lives and how we do business. On CIO Talk Radio, we talk about the benefits of technology and the great things it allows us to do, as well as its risks. Heard every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, Sunjo Gall interviews business leaders and other experts that are shaping the way we use technology. To learn more about the show, visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Keep up with the changing world of technology and listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjo Gall. Listen in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, right here on Voice America Business. What does a visual workplace mean to you? How does it contribute to operational excellence? And what steps do you take to put it powerfully in place? Listen to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense to find out. Each week, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, shares tools and strategies to help you make the workplace speak at a glance without saying a word. Learn to work safer, faster, better, and at far less cost no matter what business you're in. Tune in to The Visual Workplace every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business.
This is The Path to Financial Freedom with Gordon Bennett. To speak with Gordon and this week's guest, please call into our program at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to goreben32 at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. This is Gordon Bennett welcoming you back to the Path to Financial Freedom. The first half hour, we had the privilege of having Kathy Kristoff as our guest. Kathy wrote the book, Investing 101. And for those of you who are struggling with the concept of what am I going to do about investing? I'm terrified. I'm frightened. I don't know what to do. I can recommend no better book in uh, getting started. Uh, nice thing about this book is it assumes you know nothing. Um, I've been involved in the financial world for most of my working life. I won't tell you how many years that is. And I have a whole bookshelf full of good books. And every time I pick one up, you know, I learn something new and some uh, different approach to something, some new techniques. And I certainly encourage everybody to read and learn and study. After all, you invested a lot of money in developing work skills. And the work provides money for you spending your time working for somebody else. Now you have to learn how to make money work for you, and you need to uh, invest in yourself both in time and reading and knowledge to put that money aside so it will do the job for you. And I, I have to just be unreservedly enthusiastic about this being one of the great starter books. Uh, we didn't get anywhere near started in uh, the messages that she has. The first chapter was, how do you fix your money problems? And in the book, she talks about saving too little or getting greedy, being tax decisions, you know, the, the tail wag the dog. So you can find all of those in the book. As I said, it's a short book. It's easy to read. It's well done. And you shouldn't look at it as something formidable that you can't handle. But looking back at the basics and in, in talking about investing in finance, I have to go back to the kind of questions I keep getting and what really matters, and that is going back to the basics. In the world of finance, there are some core principles. And no matter which book you pick up, the chances are those principles are going to find their way into the copy. Different authors will approach them in different sequences, but there's a unanimity among the finance authors as to what you really need to do to put yourself on a path to financial freedom. There is very little difference of opinion in the fundamentals. There's a lot of difference in the techniques. I'm not going to, not going to belabor the techniques. I think in the time we have here this afternoon is, or this morning, depending on where you're listening, to talk and remind everybody that you've got to want to change your money life, and then you need to look at the fundamentals, and then you need to Pay attention to those fundamentals consistently. The first goes back to what Kathy said, the first problem. People save too little money. As she pointed out, if you start after college in your first job and want to become a millionaire, you just have to put $150 a month aside. If you wait until you're 50, it's over 1000 a month you need to put aside. So starting soon and starting with enough is the first rule. There was a book written in the 20s 
called The Richest Man in Babylon. I recommend that book. It's a parable. And The Richest Man in Babylon sets out all of the fundamentals. Nobody has added to those fundamentals since then. And so what are they? Rule number one was pay yourself first. You go to work, you put in hours, you invest your time, your knowledge, and you get a paycheck. Who do you pay first? The landlord? Your car payment? Some credit card? Why not pay yourself first? Why not take the top 10%? The government already has their hand in your pocket because they withhold it from your paycheck. But that paycheck that you have, that's your money. Now, you may have committed it to pay some other bills, but you start with a mindset that 10% of everything that goes into my hand is mine to keep and hold for the long term. You're going to be on the path to financial freedom. There isn't any shortcut. You have to pay yourself first because there's going to come a time in your life when the money you set aside has got to support you. You may not be able to work or you choose not to work. So paying yourself first is the cardinal rule. Some people say, I can't afford to set aside 10%. I do a little experiment a lot of times in workshops. I ask people to take 10% out of their wallet, put it in an envelope, come back a week and see if they've spent it. If you took 10% out of your wallet right now and set it aside, somehow you'd figure out how to finish the week with that 10% less. You can prove to yourself, yes, you can do it. And the best way to do it is either have your bank or your employer take it out of your paycheck before you ever see it and let it build up out of sight. Don't even think it's part of your discretionary, I got to spend it money. Second principle, live within your means. We heard Kathy talk about that. Do you want something because somebody else has it? Or do you want it because it's something of value to you? We get caught up in having to have status symbols around us or uh, tokens of our own uh, visible lifestyle. And if you want to see a lot of lifestyle that people really didn't need, go to the garage sales. Everything on that front lawn is somebody's I had to have that sometimes living outside of their means. How big is your car? How big is your house? How much have you gotten caught up in the things you have to have or you think you have to have because everybody else has it. That's a mindset. If you decide to live within your means, you will examine each and everything you spend money for and ask yourself, am I getting the value from this money I'm spending or could I be just as happy doing something else? Now, that doesn't mean you deprive yourself. We're not talking about deprivation. We're talking about realistic lifestyle and self-contentment without trying to prove something to somebody else. Look for sales. There's there's hundreds of websites and television programs and radio shows and magazine articles on how to live better for less, how to shop wisely, how to get more for your money. It's hard to buy Christmas trees in January and hold them for a year, but you get the idea. Things can be less expensive. So living within your means is a state of mind. It's not the exact possession you have. So live within your means is rule number two, which brings us to core principle number three. Stop and think a minute. Number three is get out of debt 
and stay out of debt. I know that some things are so expensive that the likelihood of acquiring the money to buy them the first time is unlikely. A lot of people have to finance their college education. That's debt. A lot of people, most everybody I know, had to borrow the money on a mortgage to buy their first home. The same was the tr- car with, true with a car. Cars are expensive items. And when you're starting out in the workforce, you probably have to borrow the money to buy that first car. But once again, the state of mind should be, I want to get out of debt. I don't want to have to take the money that comes into my pocket and pay for something that I borrowed money to get. Every time you borrow money to buy something, you increase the price of it. So if you're going to live within your means, you're going to look to buy things at a better price. And if you have to borrow the money to buy something, the chances are you're not going to get the best deal possible. Whereas if you are out of debt, you can shop, you can use cash, you can buy the things when you can afford it, and you're not paying for something that you got in the past. My wife recently needed an office at home, and we went to the merchant to buy a rug. And they had a special if you wanted and opened one of their credit cards. You could pay for it in six months, and it would be the same as a cash transaction. Now, what they're hoping is that you won't pay for it in six months, and you'll have to pay the interest, which is unfortunately what most people do. But we had the money to buy the rug, and so we took advantage of using their money for six months. And when the bill came, there was an option to pay a minimum amount. And this is a very seductive situation. Paying the minimum amount means it'll take longer to own the rug, and it will cost more. One of the things I like about the new credit laws is they have to put, the merchant has to put on your statement, if you pay the minimum, how much interest you'll end up paying and how long it will take. If we were to pay the minimum every month, it would have taken 33 years to pay for the rug. You know anybody who wants to pay for a rug over 33 years and end up paying about three times what it cost in the store? Of course not. So staying out of debt is certainly one of the most important core fundamentals. If your mindset is to be debt-free, you will postpone things until you can afford them. You will stay out of debt. The money you would have paid on interest for buying something before you could afford it can be invested, which means in the long run you're going to have more money to retire on. So it's a cumulative beneficial uh, advantage to you. Now, if you're already in debt, Stop digging the hole. It's important that you stop adding debt in the process of getting out of it. I'm not going to take time today, but there are a number of ways that you can get out of debt. The first is to decide you're going to get out of debt, and you either pay off the highest balance first or you pay off the highest interest first. Actually, paying off the lowest balance first is recommended by a lot of people because what that does is you get the psychological value of being out of debt for one merchant. But the point is you can find out strategies and tactics for getting out of debt once you've decided you really want to get out of debt. The fourth principle core value is invest for the future. Again, we're back to Kathy's book, Investing 101. You need to learn about investing. That money that you pay yourself first needs to go to work for you. 
And in the last segment of the today, last 15 minutes, I'm going to talk to you about the different categories of places where you invest that money based on what your goals and objectives are. And the last principle is protect yourself and your assets from loss. Um, you have fire insurance on your house. You have liability insurance on your car. All of that path to financial freedom is to make sure that the assets that you accumulate are yours and that they are protected from loss either by things that you do or things that happen to you. So those are the five principles. Pay yourself first. Live within your means. Stay out of debt. Invest for the future. And protect the risk to your assets so that they'll last for most of your life. We're going to take a short break now. In the last section, we'll talk a little bit more about investing and goal setting. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Tune in for What About Wealth every week to learn the vital answers to your questions about creating wealth, investing it, donating it, and protecting it. Your hosts are Rich Bloomfield and Rick Durfee, who explain the principles that govern wealth in terms you can understand. Building and preserving positive wealth requires correct action, but few people know how wealth really works. Listen every Tuesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel and find the answers you need about wealth. Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, for the Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. This is The Path to Financial Freedom with Gordon Bennett. To speak with Gordon and this week's guest, please call into our program at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to goreben32 at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. This is Gordon Bennett back with you this afternoon on The Path to Financial Freedom. We had Kathy... Christoph, a noted columnist, author of the book Investing 101 with us earlier in the program, and following on with some of the tips that she gave us, I want to talk about investing for your own life. She started out with not saving enough money is one of the problems people have. And that is something you just got to revisit all the time, sort of like New Year's resolutions. Once you've decided to save some money, what you need is to have goals. Why are you saving money? What are the goals? Too few people talk about goal setting 
as the underlying fundamental to getting anything done. If you think back, those of you who are old enough, when John F. Kennedy said, we're going to put a man on the moon by the end of the decade and return him safely to Earth, that is a model for a great strategic vision. It said what was going to be done, when it was going to be done, and how you would measure success. All of us need moonshot goals in our personal life. That is things that we can identify with, that we know what we're going to do, when we're going to do it, how we know we were successful. I recommend you have written goals that you look at on a regular basis, not just New Year's Eve uh, resolutions, and that you revise them. One of the problems that people have with money is they get caught up in impulse spending and families oftentimes are in conflict about where their money should go. The starting point to deal with that is to set goals. I think your goals should be of three separate kinds, best if they're individual as well as a family. The first kind of a goal you need to write down is stuff. What kind of stuff do you want to acquire? Do you want a new boat? you want a new watch? you want a new house? Things that you can see and feel and touch and the things that drive you crazy when you go on impulse spending. We are all tempted by physical things. So make a list of the things you want. And don't buy anything that's not on the list unless you change the list. So if you see something new that tempts you, look back at the goal list and say, that's not something that was important to me last week. Maybe I'd scratch something off the list, or if I spend the money for something here, it means I will be delayed in getting what I wanted more on my goal list. The second kind of goals you need are experiences. What are some of the things you want to do? Maybe you want to ride a mule to the bottom of the Grand Canyon. Maybe you want to visit Antarctica and pet a penguin. Maybe you want to get a master's degree. Uh, Maybe you want to climb all the mountains in the world. Those experiences are as costly in time and money as stuff, but you need to write them down. Where do you want to go on vacation? What do you want to learn? What books do you want to read? What sites do you want to see? And the final column ought to be wealth you want to accumulate. You want a mountain cabin. You want to be a millionaire. Put down your wealth targets and goals. Now break those into three categories. This year, one to five years and all of your life. So what you have is nine pockets, stuff, experiences, and wealth, one year, five-year, and life window. If you have those in mind, it drives everything else that you're going to have to be planning in your financial life. Without those, you're going to be wallowing around and not well-directed. It's like going on vacation without a map or a destination. Now, taking a look at investing, and just give us a start here on the investment philosophy as promulgated by Kathy. She has a whole chapter on the starting point. In that chapter heading, she says you're going to learn three things. How to ask, uh, allocate your assets based on your goals. We've already talked to goals. Identifying the different investment categories. And then identifying the specific financial goals. As a quick primer, let me share with you the kinds of investment categories that Kathy recommends you learn about. Notice I'm not talking about individual stocks. 
I'm not talking about the difference between debt and equity. What Kathy and I are recommending is you identify the categories in the basic types depending on what your goals. The first category is investments that safeguard your principal. This is money that's for no other reason. It's got to be there. It's got to be there for expenses. It's got to be there for buying a car. It's got to be there in your emergency fund when the hot water heater goes out. Appliances need to be replaced. You need new clothes. You don't want to risk your principal. That money needs to be put in a place and parked somewhere where you know all of it's going to be there. And there's a whole category and a whole range of individual investments you can make, but you have to understand that your principal purpose is to safeguard the core value of that money. The second category, safeguarding principles, number one. Number two is investments that provide you with income. That's particularly difficult in this environment because interest rates are very low and income-producing investments are a little bit scarce. But it is important that you understand which of your investments are designed to provide you income, either for the present or in the long-term future, and you select them based on their ability or their proclivity for producing income. The third kind is ones that will grow the principal, not just the income, but they want it to get bigger. You want to have that money appreciate and increase in value. So it's a strong growth purpose. The fourth kind is investments that protect you from the ravages of inflation. For most people, that's far down the investment list. Most people are going to be looking at preserving principle, generating income, and having growth. But there is a whole category of those things that are designed specifically for protecting you from inflation. And finally, hate to mention it because I don't believe in it, but you need the categories to allow you to speculate. Uh, go to the casinos, buy a lot of tickets, or just take a flyer on a new stock. That brings us near the end of our day. So let me wrap up this day. We were talking with Kathy about Investing 101. It's a book I'd recommend. You can visit my website, Path to Financial Freedom, abbreviated PTFF.net, where you'll find reference to uh, these shows. You can listen to these shows and play back this tape. Uh, the books that we recommend will be listed there. There is a risk assessment scale you can download. There's budget and planning forms. And uh, my book is reviewed there. It's called Give Yourself a Raise, How to Have More Money, Less Stress, and Financial Freedom. Tune in next week. When my guest is going to be Carl Richards, he's written a very intriguing book called The Behavior Gap, Simple Ways to Stop Doing Dumb Things with Money. I think all of us would like to do that. Simple Ways to Stop Doing Dumb Things with Money. As I look back, I wish I'd have had the book some time ago. So this is Gordon Bennett saying goodbye for the day. Thank you so much for tuning in. I look forward to hearing, uh, talking to you and hearing from you. If you have some questions you'd like to bring up on the air, have a great day. Thank you for listening to The Path to Financial Freedom. Please join your host, Gordon Bennett, again next Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. This week, are you going to make a bad choice? 
or a great choice with your money. Come back next week for more. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.